Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, turtles and seagulls, welcome to this episode of Layman's Terms. I am one of your hosts. That's right. This is Trevor. And this is Alex. Alex, what's been on your mind? That's a good question to ask. <laughs> what's been on your mind this week? Uh, Not much. Just more of the same, it seems like, in quarantine world, where there's just been a ton of calling people actually i feel like the calling of people has kind of dropped off a lot of people have stopped calling each other and stuff i think there's been kind of an uptick of going outside lately i started to try to get back into running but my hip was bothering me whenever i started running so i slacked These back dark off days. i literally bought a, a new pair of running shoes and everything so i could start running again and then like one of the first days that i went for a run then I felt this pain in my hip and just decided to back back off of running. So now I have these running shoes that will just be nice gym shoes, I guess. Hey, maybe maybe one day. I don't think this is the thing that's nice is I don't think your foot's going to grow. So Yeah, that's true. You probably are secure in your 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 ability to wear those shoes in the future. Yeah. I would guesstimate. I'm no scientist, but that seems yeah. to make sense to me. Yeah. I've also been thinking, so someone gave this hot take. So every Tuesday night, I do this thing. I might've mentioned this in the past, mm-hmm. hot things and hot takes. It was previously hot wings and hot takes in, in, a, in a previous season, but we've changed it to hot things and hot takes because of quarantine and the assumption that most people don't just have on stack a bunch of hot wings in their freezer. So, if you do, kudos to you. You're doing better than most of us. You're you're more prepared for this quarantine life. Yeah, so hot things, hot takes. Someone was giving a hot take yesterday about... Well, inevitably, you get a bunch of guys together and hot takes are happening and, and inevitably Star Wars will come up. This is just a principle of life. <laughs> uh, Star Wars will, will arise in the conversation eventually. And someone was giving a hot take that Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord. If you're, you've probably heard this hot take before. And then there was a long, like 30 minute argument about whether or not Jar Jar Binks could or could not be a Sith Lord. And honestly, I was more, what I was most surprised by was the extent of people's Star Wars knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, I, I consider myself an avid Star Wars fan. Grew up reading like the uh, extended universe books i you know played video games a lot of star wars video games i had lightsabers i watched all the movies funnily enough i never watched the clone Wars series i guess that was after my time but nonetheless some of the people in this chat were just baffling me with their level of star wars knowledge that i was like where did you read these things and how <laughs> did you come to this knowledge? i feel like yeah. it's a new gnosticism like how did how do they know all this secret knowledge about about star wars yeah. i don't know funnily enough I I have attained so much Star Wars knowledge throughout the year. I was never like a huge Star Wars fan. And I never got super into the movies as a kid. I I liked the movies enough, but somehow through the years I've just attained so much knowledge where I think we were in a conversation last year at CCM or something. It's specifically become way more noticeable at the seminary cuz some of the guys started rewatching all the movies since one of the guys had never seen them before. So they all watched them together. And, Atrocity. Um, so while we were watching it, I was like pointing out these details where I'm like, 
well, in the extended universe, this and this happened. I'm like, how did I know that? Like, when did I ever pick that knowledge up? But, like, somehow, like, at some point along the way, I figured some of these things out. I think it was because one of my best friends growing up was a huge Star Wars fan, and he probably talked about it all the time. And also my cousin was a huge fan, so probably just heard people talking about it in the past and just remembered it. But I think a lot of guys are that way, where they're not exactly Star Wars fans, but they know so much about it. Yeah, that is definitely the case. It's one of those series that's so easy to know things about just because everyone talks about it. Mm-hmm. But then you hear the level of knowledge that some people are like, how did you know that this guy came from this family, which had a family crest of a shield? Like, what? where did you <laughs> learn that? I don't know. Um, I don't know my own family crest, let alone, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn's. But <laughs> there's just interesting thoughts. Uh, Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn, what a mysterious character. It's good. That's a good uh, transition, I think. And today, what you're saying is that what we fill our minds with tend to be the things that we think about and gain more knowledge about. The things that the things that we look at, the things that we view, the things that we uh, consume media-wise or books or conversations, all these things kind of shape how we view the world. And that is at the core. Pause for dramatic effect. Oh, intellectual formation. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, sorry, I had to do it. If you, if you listened last week, we talked a lot about human formation, right? So, so taking on the character of Christ so as to become a bridge, not an obstacle. We have spent previous week talking about prayer. So I think it was maybe episode eight. Yeah. It was a, about, about prayer. So if you're, if you want to learn more about spiritual formation, there could be more said there. I'm not uh, glazing over it to say that prayer is the is the, is the only part of spiritual formation, but I think it is a, a chiefly big part of spiritual formation for the sake of not just like saying all the same things we've already said, literally within the past month. Alex and I would like to not continue on the formation pyramid with spiritual formation. Just go listen to the episode on prayer. That's huge. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about intellectual formation. I think the catchphrase to start like us thinking about this topic is this catchphrase thinking with the mind of Christ thinking with the mind of Christ so perceiving the world around us the way that, that that Christ would perceive it and I think this begins with this understanding of of the church's kind of teaching on on the dignity of human nature and this one of these ways chiefly being imaged actually in our in our cap- capacity for rationality and free will so I actually gave a talk on this, so I'm a little primed on this uh, subject because I gave a talk on this last week. But in the from the Catechism, paragraph 1730, it says this, which kind of speaks into this idea of our, our dignity coming from these two things. It says, God created man a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and freely attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his acts. So pretty kind of like clear on this language there about our imaging of Christ and of God, our creator, through our rationality and free will. Yeah, I guess building off of that a little bit, We are kind of, I guess in a sense, supposed to question 
um, a little bit. You know what I mean? We're supposed to probe our faith in a sense where we are like our faith is a smart faith. You know, we want to pursue. You got to be smart to be Catholic. Put that in the soundbite, baby. <laughs> you don't have to be smart to be Catholic. But if you don't have an faith. ACT score, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it is a smart faith. Like you, if if you have questions, like seek them out. You'll find them eventually. They can be really hard to find, especially um, because of just the huge influx in one. There's just like an influx of information around. Uh, mm. Not not just our faith, but it's like society as a whole. It's hard to get at the truth of things because there's so many different um things floating around out there but yeah there's uh it can be kind of hard even for catholics to pinpoint exactly what do catholics teach because there's just so many things there's conflicting things out there conflicting opinions like what exactly is the right answer to this and yeah for the for the most part i think that we're getting better at that when i say we i mean like the church as a whole is getting better about that um typically if it's rooted in the catechism or just like rooted in something like yeah it's not like the bishops and the popes are going to be like most of them aren't heretics or anything like that you can typically find stuff Uh, there no i'm just kidding (laughs) um and so there's a lot there are answers out there it's just a matter of you have to look for them and they can be pretty hard to find but our faith is one that encourages you to probe it to ask questions to look further into it at a certain point you know you can't answer every question because our we get this idea that our faith isn't super deep intellectually because when we're in psr or ccd classes um, or RCIA classes or whatever, we got this little, like this tiny little booklet that had kind of like the introductory stuff of the faith. And we got this idea that like this little booklet had everything we needed to know. Um, no, like our faith is com- complex. There's a lot of things to know. Like you wouldn't sit down with like a chemistry be- textbook and think to yourself, like, this is everything I will ever need to know about chemistry, right? Like it, the the topic of chemistry is a lot more in depth than a single um than yeah than going through it just in one class you know what i mean so at yeah. a certain point yeah and i'm rambling a little bit but um at a certain no point, i get what you're saying i i i think there's also like to what your point i think you're kind of what you're kind of hitting on is that there's kind of a of insincerity in people's kind of approach to faith Mm-hmm. In in that, in that they're like, oh, like yeah, the faith teaches this. Like clearly, they couldn't be right. It's like, well, that that's the, like you're not giving it a fair chance. Your 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 kind of attributions of faith are very insincere. If you're just like taking a phrase that your grandma told you about the faith and attributing that 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 is like the official teaching of the church, or that that there's no mm-hmm. other knowledge to be had, or that you know that's the extent of something. I think yeah. there's just a no to your point. No one would take, you know, their their uncle Jim just kind of, you know, who's four beers in talking about his relationship with God and and in any other subject, they wouldn't like take that uncle Jim to be the expert. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. because of what we've heard from family and friends, we assume that faith 
that's that's the extent of it. Or we assume that, you know, well, mm. they said that, so that must be true. There's no further digging. And the other contrast is when people talk about, well, you know, God is, I, you know, everyone prays differently. You hear people say stuff like that. Or you hear people mm-hmm. say, well, you know, that's that's might be your faith, but I've come to this kind of faith. Or you hear these kind of things like, um, well, you know, we can't really know God because he's God. And so this is kind of the limit on what we can understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that none of those things have any truth in them, but that they all are, they all sometimes are used as an avoidance technique to kind of avoid a more serious, again, like I talked about the, you know, the insincerity, like to avoid a more serious kind of probe into like, well, no, actually we can know some things about God because he's mm-hmm. revealed them to us. And no, actually, well, we, yeah. You know, we can say that people pray differently, but also there's some there's some key elements of prayer that that consist in all forms of prayer. Or or we can say that, you know, I came to this faith or you this, but well, faith is a belief in something unseen, you know, uh and and some of those things might not exist, right? So it's like <laughs> um I think that in order to be really sincere, we have to start with this thought that there actually might be a truth to which we can kind of hold, if not firm, like if not firmly grasp, we can at least like clutch at parts of it. Um, Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So that's kind of where this, I think intellectual formation starts is this admonition that, yeah, that, that, that there is, there's truth to be known. And another reason kind of like to, to believe this. So if rationality and free will are kind of these crowning elements, even from the catechism that we see kind of define our humanity, then we can conclude that like, that they're meant to be employed. Like they're not meant to be given to us as a gift, you know, the parable of the talents. It's not as if we're supposed to use our, not, you know, just let them kind of sit there vacant, but that the rationality and free will are to be used in order to assent to the good and to choose it. So this is, Aristotle has this kind of drawing of the human person um, and th- picture like a little stick figure in your head right now. So in the church largely like borrows this, but where the intellect is kind of the, gu- the guiding power of the human person. So the human person can, can reason to certain goods, right? They can reason to say, ah, this or that thing might lead to my flourishing or this or that, you know, procedure might be good for me. And so we use this intellect to kind of reason to what might be good. And this is from God. The second power is the will. The will kind of has to do with to the ability to, to choose that good in light of other apparent lesser goods. So there might be, let's say for me, I like cheeseburgers, but I'm training for a half marathon and know that it would probably be better for me to eat, you know, a grilled chicken breast. So a cheeseburger is not a bad, it, it is a good, but it's a lesser good in face of like what I was, what I'm being made for and called to in that moment. Does that make sense? I'm saying mm-hmm. so, so the will is being able to choose against that, like maybe more desirable, lesser good at the moment for the sake of a good that is that in, in all actuality is more desirable towards my end of what I, my goal is mm-hmm. and kind of that's actually leads really well into the two things that sometimes some of these like lesser goods or even some of these things that we deal with, he calls two types of passions. So he calls them the irascible passions and the concupiscible passions, the irascible being like emotions pretty predominantly. So think like anger, fear, 
um, these kind of strong gut level feelings Mm -hmm. and the concupiscible passions being like, yeah, hunger, thirst, a desire for sex, a desire for sleep, um, those kinds of things. Yeah. Actually, a couple of these things that you're hitting on, we've talked a lot about in our philosophy classes. So irascible and concupiscible desires actually have more to do with the kind of good that you're facing. I cannot remember off the top of my head exactly what they are, but there's exactly 11 of them. Irascible desires are for long, um, kind of like far away uh, goods and kind of are about stirring up the passions to overcome what's in front of you to achieve that good. Uh, while concupiscible are like dire- like the good is directly in front of you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like it's just, it seems like I'm picking at, at straws, but yeah, this kind of stuff can be very confusing for people later down the line if they get um, confused yeah. by it. So, yeah. But I think you would – would you agree that like these are the things – if you're looking at this, these powers of the human person, like these are the things to which like we are called to kind of like subjugate to intellect and the will. Because in a perfect world, yeah. like the passions would, would work within like you know the good that we're – like we would always follow them to an, the apparent good to which we are called. Mm-hmm. But in, in our broken and sinful world, like sometimes they lead us astray that they can't always be trusted at, at face value. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. And so when we draw this like kind of powers, the human person on the human body, you kind of have like, I mean, you can even picture it like the mind, the heart that like, kind of like think like, again, this was a drawing we got at training, but like the gut, uh, and then like the, the genital zone, like those Mm -hmm. are like, kind of like the directly down, you can see the direct line across like the intellect, the will, the irascible, the concupiscible. Um, and kind of the take they gave us at training. And I, and I think really, honestly, it's not, it's not like focus and created it. Like it, this is like the take of like, just looking at the distortion of the world is that it's that human figure flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's that the concupiscible passions are the first thing to be pursued. That's how you order your person. Mm-hmm. And then like, and allow those to guide you. And then you have your irascible passions, the will, and then the intellect is the bottom. Right. Mm -hmm. With this kind of question of like, what is truth? Like what, what really matters? Um, How can I know anything's true? You know, kind of this postmodern mentality, you know, truth is relative and it can, and it's shady and it depends on who's in power. Right. Those kinds of thoughts. Mm. But I think like when we look at that, the reason I bring in this long, you're like, what Trevor, where are you going with all this? Mm -hmm. What helps us to understand why our rationality matters because if 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 there are apparently like you know through the broken world like satan and the attempts of the culture and the attempts of all different things these powers that be that like tried to like lead us astray one of the most powerful things for them to do if our if our human person is naturally ordered from the head down like is to is to get us to think backwards to think using another one of our faculties first because if we start to do that, then we're no longer pursuing like God in the way that he designed us to work. Um, mm. And so there's this like darkening of the, of the, of the mind, this darkening of the intellect that Satan attempts to, to convince us to believe things that aren't true. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever heard this, if you ever heard the phrase like, Oh, like an idea is powerful. Like when people say, say something like that, 
it's it's this recognition from people at large that like what we think determines the way that we act mm-hmm. in a large sense. Not not always. Like sometimes I might know that a cheeseburger is bad for me, and I still get the cheeseburger. And that's obviously at the mm-hmm. level of the will. But the first battle I think is before even the will is just knowing what is good, which is the whole case for intellectual formation. We have to think like Christ. Um, I have a lot more of notes for the talk, but that's kind of the without lecturing. That's kind of the thought thoughts and all of that, young Alex. So, yeah, Am I, I think a lot. Yeah, but basically in this idea of or no, you're not whack. <laughs> in this idea, you're like uh, yeah, you're whack. Uh, here's that. No, <laughs> In this idea of how the way you train your intellect responds to the way you act, typically. I mean, it's pretty obvious to see the ways in which we kind of go off the rails. You know, even though we know how we should be acting, we act despite that. We act against that because we're here yeah not trained well in our will more so than our intellect but typically our intellect training our intellect gets us it can kind of train a lot of our virtues i think prudence it can help with prudence i think it can help with a lot of other things as well but Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's almost it's almost this way in which you're training to recognize um and i think this is what you're getting at trevor correct me if I'm wrong. You're kind of saying by training your intellect, you're training to recognize where the good is in every situation and knowing how to pick that out. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and this is like, you know, especially when we talk about education, I think it's so funny. One thing that really stands out to me, like blatant lie, I think that I see Mm -hmm. all the time is when it comes to education on science, when it comes to education on, um, you know, any sort of like material thing, we're naturally to obviously conclude that mm. like we should build on the on this on the things that have been learned by previous generations. Like mm-hmm. we we like it's not as someone's yeah. trying to rediscover gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, like we pretty much yeah. just accept as as a dead base that gravity exists and that it's like, yeah, like that that's it you know no one's no one's trying to jump off their house from yeah. you know 10 stories and test if gravity exists <laughs> but but people are attempting to take these these truths when it comes to philosophy and religion that have widely like been specifically like when we think of the catholic church like these truths that have brought freedom and somehow there's this this kind of like pervading lie that it's like oh yeah just you got to figure out what's true for you um, mm-hmm. It's like, what? why does that make any sense? Like, who mm-hmm. thinks that that makes sense yeah. when we really stop and look at it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I I totally agree with this. This is actually, funnily enough, something I've been thinking about a lot, too, is for some reason, people just think of religion as not having, like, it's almost like there's no, like, actual truth behind it. With Where with, like, science or math, if you said in science or math, no... Um, yeah, sure, you believe this, but I believe this, you know, like, obviously somebody's wrong, you know, but for some reason with religion, um, people have this idea of, well, why don't I just not study it? Why don't I, like, you know what I mean? Like, why don't I just like, you know, like try this stuff out for my own? Yeah, kind of what, what you were saying where people, 
people don't think there's a truth behind it. They don't think there's like a method to it to um they don't think that they can right. learn these things from other people almost. Um right. but yeah, obviously if there's truth behind it then you can then there's like why not trust the people who know a lot about it and um right and like or at least like seek them yeah at least like i was gonna say i'm not saying trust every everybody who says they have any sort of like religious like claim at all like obviously but yeah um, right like because there's a famous figure named muhammad and there's a figure named jesus and yeah. if you truly believe all of what they both said at face value, you arrive at different conclusions. But yeah. both of them are well respected and, and followed by literally billions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 I think the point is like that you shouldn't assume that like yeah that faith all of a sudden is like if science follows generation to generation and you know uh, technology follows generation to generation and proper education and psychology follows generation to generation and communicative practices follows generation to generation but all of a sudden it gets to faith and it's like well that's going to be rediscovered for me right now in my life it's like well, no like mm-hmm. you're discovering god in by the n- nature of what you're designed for mm-hmm. but at least to seek the truth of like past like at least to maybe for a few seconds be like okay maybe someone before me I'm not even saying it's Jesus. Like I, I believe it's Jesus, obviously, because of where I'm at <laughs> in my life. The fact that I'm a missionary for a Catholic organization, I believe it's Jesus. But even just saying, like, let's say I'm completely agnostic and I'm just like, okay, I don't know who or what faith. I don't know if God even exists. But why not at least like take the 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 thought of like does God exist seriously and start to try to figure out someone probably had. It may not be Jesus. It may not be Muhammad. It may not be Buddha. But someone has some kind of truth to which I can like figure out because everything else that has followed generation to generation, I accept, mm-hmm. except those things that maybe have been corrected or, or changed. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So at least like, look, to at least have a, have a heart that like, is like, or a mind rather that is like, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And you put it a lot better than I did, <laughs> but <laughs> I, Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure you could still poke a thousand holes in that, but it's just something that, yeah. yeah, like you said, I've been thinking about that too lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just interesting thoughts. So this is kind of the idea of rants aside of intellectual formation is forming our minds to think like Christ. Mm-hmm. And this comes often through being willing to seek the, the teachings of the church, seek the, the truth of God in the scriptures. Um, oftentimes we can attribute when we look at holy people, the, the writings of the saints, there's, there's some truth to be gleaned there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is for the sake, honestly, of freedom, right? Jesus says, if you know the truth, you know, the truth will set you free. Um, and it's because like truth enables us to act to which way, like if, if Jesus is truth, right? Cause he tells us where I'm, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And we know that he says that the truth sets us free then the natural conclusion is actually that the training using our, our rationality and our intellect to kind of come to further understand what is truth as Pilate asks, um, mm-hmm. you know, right before the passion, what is truth? Um, or I guess not right before, but in the midst of it. Um, if we use our rational intellect to discover this truth, it sets us free because it cre- it allows us to live for wh- what we were created to be the truth of, of, of who we are as human beings. Um, and that's literally the definition of, of, right? Like 
using God's grace and living like Christ is, is to live for what we were made for and say no, you know, to, to the things to which we, we weren't, which are sins, right? The sin, the sin is like these, these choices to live against what God's created us for. So, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of times too, in our culture of the heart, there can be a de-emphasis on this thing for truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not at all invalidating the need for us to be, to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that at Mm -hmm. all, but I think sometimes when one, uh, potentially damaging idea, I think like, yeah, like you always talk about like youth groups or Mm. college groups get is when we focus so much on knowing Jesus in the heart, we forget that he claims to be truth as well. That Mm -hmm. requires us to think not just with our hearts, but with our minds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Sorry, you brought this topic up, but um, there's almost like people think that there's this um, this one or the other. Either you know Jesus intellectually or you know him in the heart, um, but they coincide. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that just might come from the fact that some people connect more at the level of more at the level of their heart relationship and some people just connect more at the mind but either way they don't contradict each other you know no, yeah they, they, one informs the other i think one that's informs the, the other yeah yeah and yeah which yeah, yeah well, reminds me it reminds me also was, of Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. No, my bad. I, I thought you were done because your audio chopped out on mine and that that's no, back. Good. We're back. I'm listening, baby. Yeah. Um, it reminds me also of when we're talking one doesn't conflict with the other. It it reminds me a lot of people who and I think this this is a myth. I actually thought this was a, like a myth that um was just much less prevalent today. But I was reading an article the other day that was by like a secular author and they were just like they could not understand how somebody might be able to coincide faith and science they were so confused on why like this scientist was able to be a christian also and i was like dude like really faith faith and reason are the two sides of the same coin you know they're both getting at truth right so why would truth contradict truth and i think a lot that's another thing that and this is not nearly as prevalent in catholic circles but like a lot of people think you need to reject like certain scientific principles to be able to hold to like principles that are found uh, in faith and yeah like faith should never contradict reason faith and science shouldn't contradict each other because they're both they're both going towards truth you know so right one 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 towards that which is seen one towards that which is unseen Mm -hmm. Um, yeah 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 for sure. And, and that's, a, that's the thing too, is like, it's tough because my, I, I self admit that while I am analytical in nature, I'm not like, a, a, yeah, I've never been like the one who's like at the, you know, as interested in sciences. And so I, I respect fully mm. that this is more difficult of a reality to face for me or for some than for me, because I'm not entrenched in, you know, I'm not a, a microbiology major. I'm not going to those classes. I'm mm-hmm. not, uh, attending those lectures and I think sometimes when you're in this world of reductionism, this world mm. of materialism, 
Materialism, yeah. I don't mean that in the sense of buying buying a lot of things. I mean that in the sense mm. of looking to the material world for how we can understand what is. Yeah. I think that it can be difficult to reach outside of that because that's all that people in those particular fields know or study. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like it's like it, yeah. I, I fully admit that I am dealing with a different deck in terms of trying to come to truth than someone in those fields might be. Which yeah. I, so I, I have sympathy for like the inability to realize what you just said. This this inherent yeah. like ability for faith and re- and science to to come together. Yeah, and so yeah, that so actually, funnily enough, like materialism in the sense of thinking that every re- everything in reality can be reduced to material existence. So that's actually a pretty old school of thought. People thought that it's like a pretty new thing in philosophy. It's actually, I'm pretty sure that that's something that Aristotle and Plato both had com- like combated with people. And because I think it actually went into, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that that kind of went into why Aristotle came up, part of part of why Aristotle started talking about the four causes I, I think that's really like the prevailing mindset of the day is that everything can be reduced down to a material material actuality. But yeah, that's this is more of like a philosophical question that can go be gone into. Um, while yes, like material reality is obviously studyable and like comes down to a science, like there's more to, to reality than just material reality. So hey man, baby. Amen, baby. I believe. Come on. I <laughs> believe. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing, too, just to point out again, this this kind of like apparent, like seeming non-issue of this like kind of assumed dichotomy between the heart and the mind when it comes to the mm-hmm. Christian is that, again, like because people always talk about, oh, it's not about like what you do. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, which is true in a sense. But also not in a sense because when when we talk about like knowing Jesus, there's there's the reality that Jesus is a person, but he's also the source of all being, mm-hmm. right? So like you know my brother isn't I don't have a brother, uh, you know Kenzie isn't the source of all being, Alex Shannon isn't the source of all being. So when I talk about knowing you, uh, it's it's a different it entails not necessarily all of the same things or rather it entails all the things, but just far less than it would entail to know Jesus mm-hmm. um, and, and to, and to be in relationship with Jesus because he's not just Jesus, the man, he's Jesus who is God, who is uh, unveiled in his creation. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I say that is when we talk about this idea of like being in relationship with Jesus, that you could, you could also just insert being in relationship with all that is. Mm-hmm. So that entails a sort of like, need for understanding the truth that differs from, you know, knowing your friend, if that makes sense. So that's just something that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this talk last week too, specifically a lot on intellectual formation is that I, I'm not at all speaking to the fact that this was a legitimate problem that the church suffered for a while, a few generations ago of like the lack of connection with Jesus in terms of uh, on a, on a level mm. of like, you know, a friend or a lover, but that to, we don't want the pendulum to swing too far in the opposite direction where we lose our grasp on what it means to seek the good, the true and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I literally like, I, I want, I want to just punch myself in the face for the fact that I just threw out the three transcendentals like a, like a good Catholic boy. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> just randomly. Uh, yeah. Do you ever notice yourself? This is totally off topic, but do you ever notice yourself just saying like super Christian things and then realizing that it didn't really apply to the situation? Where yes, you're like, kind you're like of. yeah, let me sit with that. And you're like, I could have just told them I need to think about that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> like, yeah, someone will say, I, I don't know. I'm just being I really think... intentional about it when they're talking about something they oh, accidentally yeah. did. I just, yeah, oh! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's off topic, that's true. but drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. So that's in a lot of formation. I feel like we're getting like a little, we're hitting a lot of topics that are like into the nitty gritty or not the nitty gritties. We're trying to hit on a lot of topics within intellectual formation. Do you have anything like else on the broader category of intellectual formation itself? Uh, yeah, just that intellectual formation means that you should seek truth. And what that mm-hmm. means specifically in a Catholic, a Catholic context is you should seek to form yourself in the teachings of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Going back yeah. to Acts 242, I've mentioned it before, and they devoted themselves to prayer, to fellowship, mm. to the breaking of the bread or the sacraments and the teachings of the apostles. Um, the teachings of the apostles is a key one to mention there because the early church understood that they had to be able to understand the faith, to live it more fully. And so when we talk about intellectual formation, it's this, it's seeking the truth of Christ in his church. So by Mm -hmm. reading the catechism, by reading the scriptures and like, you know, good commentaries on them that maybe you're looking at a Scott Hahn commentary, you're looking at Ignatius Press or something, you know, but yeah, the thought is like reading the scriptures and the catechism, reading the, the, the readings of the saints and listening to good podcasts. Like I love ours, uh, but maybe some other ones too, <laughs> you know, maybe like some, yeah. some good podcasts, you know, I don't yeah. need to list them all, but looking, looking at like other sources of truth that, because that's the cool thing as much as technology, you know, as being used by the evil one, it's also being used by the, the church. And I think like we would be amiss to not, We'd be amiss to just condone or to condemn the negative parts of technology like many do and like I find myself doing many times without emphasizing the good uses of it and the mm-hmm. fact that we can come to know truth often by seeking after the teachers of the age, you know. Um, that's kind of – I think those are broader thoughts mm. on it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would also add to – it's like really good to – be more intellectually formed just for the sake of like a pretty obvious example I would say is yeah a lot of Christians um so my roommate in college had a friend of his convert to Christianity like a good pretty good friend of his converted to Christianity and he was talking to him not two months after he converted to Christianity and was asking the guy like hey I can't remember exactly how the top how the conversation went but he basically was talking about the old testament with him and the guy was like oh like i i don't really believe in the old testament which is actually like an old heresy marcionism um to reject the old testament it's like two different gods yeah i think yeah yeah to believe that they're two different gods or that god changed somehow from the the old testament to the new testament but here's the thing i think a lot of people have that mindset because they don't understand the old testament they look at these single passages passages and they're like well what is he possibly saying here like this doesn't seem right and so they kind of get 
confused by it, kind of get scared of it in a sense, and so they kind of reject it because of like they they aren't formed in those things to understand what is being said there. But there's actually yep. like a lot to there's there's a whole salvation history that we just like most people just have no idea about. Yeah. Which I I hope that soon like PSR classes, CCD classes start getting better at teaching stuff like salvation history so people can understand the old testament better um but yep yeah there's and the but it's not just like that with the old testament it's like that in other areas as well um where somebody just doesn't understand uh another example is um and um just like certain teachings teachings of the church you hear certain like wording behind it and stuff and they're like oh like what i didn't know the church teaches that um part of it like sometimes it's just plain like people don't know enough context around it to understand why the church teaches that but sometimes too certain teachings of the church people can be confused on what exactly even is being taught um because of one they're just not very well formed in the meaning behind it and as in the meaning of the individual words themselves like philosophy can have a entirely different like meaning behind words um words that people use like we were kind of using the word pa- the passions the the words passions have entirely different meaning in philosophy than they do in everyday language um same with a lot of other things and so yeah being formed in those areas while it's not necessary for to be able to be formed in the faith it is pretty important and people are going to ask you those questions right um so you should be ready yeah what yeah and i'm gonna even argue too that it's less about apologetics than it is about you like changing the way you live yeah like apologetics are important i'm not saying it's not but that so two thoughts as well as one when you're talking about this like if you're out there thinking like how do i get formed Form.org. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> for sure, a good resource. But uh, not not knocking at all. But, I mean, one thing, again, when I was a freshman in college and really questioning a lot of my beliefs, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I was considering leaving the Catholic faith. And a lot of, like, that was because I just was going to a non-denominational service and hearing a lot of thoughts. And you know what I started doing? I literally would start typing a question or a topic and just put Catholic at the end. And I would go, you know, to Catholic Answers. I would go to, like, Catholicism.org or whatever. And, yes, I'm not saying all of them have perfect information or that it's all 100%, you know, of course. I mean, I, I guarantee if someone listened to this podcast, we probably said something that was, like, skewed or, in, in a, a, like, a, a poor understanding at some point. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. layman's terms. We're going to mess up. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the, the my point is, like, if you had a question about anything else, what would you, what do you do in our day and age? You Google it. Like you yeah. go on and you or whatever browser you prefer, you Bing mm-hmm. it, whatever. But <laughs> you Safari yeah. it. But uh, but you you search for that that truth by trying to figure out more about it. So that's my first point. Is one, yeah. it's if you want to get formed about something, literally Google it and just start to read and start to try to understand more. Um, but the second point is it's not for the sake of just collecting knowledge. Um, it's not for the sake of just knowing things that you can talk to your friends about them and hopefully like everyone converts to Catholicism. That would be nice too. <laughs> um, but I think it's pre- predominantly because, again, so important. What we think 
and how we understand the world, how we understand God determines what we do. It determines mm-hmm. the way we act. And that yeah. is actually the way that you act is far more likely in our day and age to convert someone than like you convincing them with an argument. I'm not mm-hmm. saying arguments aren't needed. I'm not, that's not my point at all. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying that we shouldn't engage in debate, debating to some extent. But that your ability to love is actually predicated on your ability to accept the truth and to live in truth because the truth is this reality of God. And that living in God and being more like him will, will, will transform the way that you treat and interact with other people, which will lead to a greater testimony of who he is. Um, a quick story to back this up. So as many of you know, I'm recently married. Um, and... The, the church's teachings on sexual ethics are maybe one of the most hotly debated teachings in, in our culture today. But I, reading like Love and Responsibility by uh, St. Pope John Paul II, actually written while he was Carol Watiwa, a bishop, helped me, like as I formed my mind with the truth, I actually felt like I was more able to live chastely, live within this like calling to love as opposed to use, because I started to understand, not just like, don't touch is bad, be stay away is good like i started to like understand like why is it that the church teaches that these actions outside of marriage are degrading to each other and and as mm-hmm. i started to like wrap my head around uh the four f's right uh faithful free fruitful i don't remember what the fourth one is just because honestly i've the that, but it was total in jp2s it wasn't an, an f it was a t so it was the three mm-hmm. f's and a t so free faithful fruitful and total when I started to wrap my head around what these thoughts mean around the context of sexuality and they're all explained in detail I'm not going to explain them all here because that'd be way too much just go read the book baby Um, but (laughs) it actually changed the way that I was able to live chastely because I was reading it while Kenzie and I were dating and even into our engagement and it helped me to understand more why I was being called to live a certain way increased my conviction which again led us to live more chastely like I formed my mind and it actually created a change in my heart and my actions. So it's not like an arbitrary thing. Like it has real effects as we start to, to wrestle with these, these teachings of the church and understand them more fully. It enables us to, to live more like Christ and to experience his love more fully. Yeah, that's kind of my... So that, that was my point in saying like, it's not just about like acquiring the knowledge for the sake of you being a better conversationalist in, in a Catholic like setting, you know, or at a dinner party with your friends. Like it's like it's it's more for the sake of you living the virtue in the life to which you're called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, My, no, yeah. I that totally hot agree. take is over, baby. I was just hitting on that because of specifically the Bible verse where it says Paul says, "Be ready to give a reason for everything that you believe." Yes, and so, which is super important. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I think that kind of hits on too. It's just like you don't want, yeah, like if you have like a doubt behind it like look it up look for the answer like because um it kind of circles back to like we have a smart faith we have the answer out there you just have to look and like try to find it and it might take a really long time to find it but eventually like these things like eventually you'll find the answer it might take a long time it might take a lot of effort um but the answer is out there somewhere and yeah, so don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look for the answer. It's waiting for you, baby. Seeking you shall find. Well, cool. I think that kind of wraps up intellectual formation. What do you think, Alex? Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Yeah, no, that wraps up every thought that I have about it. So. <laughs> yeah. 
long-winded but hopefully <laughs> helpful because yeah. i think the point again this is i think this is the most difficult one to talk about in length because yeah oh yeah yeah it by nature requires a little bit more explaining i think than yeah the other three yeah it's there's obviously a lot of things that we didn't hit on with intellectual formation this is just like kind of an introductory um this is like us trying to get a little bit at why it's important um and why we think that most Catholics should know their faith better. Um, well, actually, Absolutely. I think every Catholic should know, know their faith better. But Myself yeah. included, baby. I read the catechism oh, yeah. this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am still learning, <laughs> obviously. Like, literally, everybody's still learning. Every priest is still learning. Not There is no priest that knows everything. I can guarantee you that. So. The the man who got closest to knowing everything tried to burn all his books. Just just sit with that for a second. <laughs> Good old Saint Thomas. Saint Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas. Um, yeah. Yeah. T A, if you will. The first T A. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Before your classes had TAs. It was Saint Thomas Aquinas. Hey, layman's terms, baby. We may not know it all, but we are laymen. For now. Uh shout out to Alex's potential feature. Uh <laughs> I'm Alex. And I am Trevor. And this has been Layman's Terms. This has been Layman's Terms, baby. Come Thanks back next week. Good times. <laughs> we'll uh we'll be seeing you. We'll be seeing you.